The first reading comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 24. The earth will be stripped bare and left that way. This is what the Lord has promised. The earth wilts away, its mighty leaders melt to nothing. The earth is polluted because its people disobeyed the laws of God, breaking their agreement that was to last forever. The earth is under a curse. Its people are dying out because of their sins. The next reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. Here end the readings. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Thank you for coming out today to hear a talk about thoughtful service. Um, Last December through January, um, I initiated a trip with several other students from the school to go on a service trip to Haiti for about three weeks. And so I'm going to start off the talk by showing you a little video that we've made to recap the trip a bit. And so you guys can be caught up to speed. Haiti is surprising, incredible, humbling, and inspiring. Haiti is fascinating, life-changing, and developing. Haiti is a place to learn that waste and destruction can be valuable. Everything there has hope, just intertwined into its existence. I'd say my biggest reason for going to Haiti was because I wanted to make an impact that I felt was bigger than my petite size. I needed to get out, I needed to get my hands dirty, I needed to do something physically and and kind of see the world, get perspective on things that are going on. I thought it would definitely be a a good good little life check to uh, refocus what's really important in life. The second we hit the land, everyone on the plane just starts clapping. They're like, yeah, woo, we made it. You know, and I was like, okay, this is good energy. All right. And I remember looking out the window and I was like, I don't recognize anything. Descending down in that plane into the airport, all of my ambitions, all of my hopes for that trip were just coming in the form of awe. My name's Ryan Glatt, and I'm the crazy guy that decided to plan the Haiti trip. This is the best five seconds walking through this door in my life. The different sounds, the different sights, it was just all of my senses just were like completely overwhelmed by just this new culture. It was really exciting and nerve-wracking seeing, seeing all these people that look so different from you. Um, I'd say that the first bonding experience between kind of the Americans and the Haitians when we had to all pile up in the back of a pickup truck, it was just such a rush of excitement. We all got along so well right from the get-go because of that. It was just everyone was just having such a good time just goofing off. Just in riding from the airport to the village where we stayed, in those two hours I saw more than I ever had in the United States. This is so new. What is this? I'm in Haiti. I am in Haiti. 
clean water, in, in my opinion, is it's a fundamental right for, for all humans on the planet. In my opinion, it's a water gives us light. And water uh, helps grow, uh, grow our plants, helps grow our The water filtration system was just meant to be a temporary solution while Agua Inc. came in and assessed the situation of the river going through Cotan. And uh, they have access to this river, but the, the water's not good to drink. So it's really cool that Tyler's here to give us this system. And um, it's going to be really nice for the villagers. It holds a lot of water. It's really simple. So the first step in the system is the biochar gasifier itself. Basically, we take metal oil drums and put a chimney at the top. We drill a ton of holes in the bottom so that the airflow is limited through whatever you happen to be turning into biochar. You can put sugar cane in, you can put wood in. Through condensing the carbon in that wood, you create a bioactive material that will essentially leach pathogens away from water. We got a, um, a five-tier series of 55-gallon water barrels, and we filled it with biosand, we filled it with gravel, and we filled it with biochar. And all those components allow bacteria to form and consume all the bad bacteria in water, along with getting all the sediment and physical um, commodities out of the water. And essentially, we have this system that costs 150 bucks. You pour 55 gallons of bad water in, you get 55 gallons of drinking water out. And it was so cool to build it just for myself and for all the Haitian volunteers and the American volunteers. From what I gathered there in Haiti was that it's not necessarily the big projects you do, but it's about empowering them, giving them the tools to continue making their lives better, to give them a better sense of purpose. One of the Haitian volunteers that was very proactive in all the work that we did was David. and. Tyler was picking up on how um, David was just really into this water filtration system and it was so cool to have him so involved and so interested in it. You know, it's all about facilitating the right environment. Teaching these Haitian volunteers how to be good leaders, how to stand up for themselves, how to take their interests and run with them, I think that's the most important thing. I think my big personal development was that I was challenged all the time. It was amazing to go and feel what is happening with your own hands. I couldn't be more thankful for it. You know, that's how quickly we learn. I realized that, you know, we don't need so much. Like, I, I just need to, I, I'm just lucky to be here and uh, live this life. So I really tell my friend, if they have problems, just go to Haiti and experience their life, what they have. So you really understand and appreciate it what we have. So certainly a fantastic video, um, not an entire recap of the trip, but there was an emphasis on understanding water filtration and agriculture, um, using what we explained, the biochar gasifier, and using agricultural waste. And certainly Haiti is a place where um, the earth is certainly taking its toll on their country. Um, there's a lot of deforestation, a lot of trouble with agriculture in which they can't send their kids to school, so they keep cutting down more trees to sell charcoal. And so it was cool to have these projects, not just to give them the basic needs that they require, but at the same time, we're providing it within the same terms of sustainability that their environment requires. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more today. Um, some of the other projects that we had on that trip um, during the three weeks was agricultural empowerment. Um, we established some gardens there. 
Um, we did some construction on a roof uh, for a church that needed replacing, which happened to be a community gathering center. We did basic medicine, treating things like scabies. Um, we built a compost toilet within like the last couple of days because they needed waste management. And we did a little bit of economic guidance and empowerment as well. Um, the aftermath of this trip is that many of the Haitian volunteers that were involved um, were a very unique component. Um, volunteering in Haiti is not a very common thing. So to work with the NGO that we worked with and to have the Haitian volunteers involved was very interesting. So it wasn't very much of a one-sided trip or a project. It was more about people coming together and collaborating so we can empower the people there so that there's a ripple effect of empowerment after the fact that we leave. Um, like I mentioned in the video that David was very interested in the water filtration system and now he's actually working with Cite Soleil which is or the, one of the city members in Cite Soleil, which is one of the poorest ghettos in Haiti. Um, and he's looking at both working with them as an advisory position and starting his own water filtration business just because of the exposure to the technology. Another student, Elson, who wanted to be a computer hacker, just like Edward Snowden, that was his dream. Um, pretty funny. Uh, he, he didn't even know too much about the guy. He just thought he was cool. And so he started the trip, you know, just listening to rap music and caring about computers. And through exposure to this agricultural um, amendment type stuff, being able to build a water filtration system, he was so interested in getting to know the earth more and how to provide sustainable technologies that he now is, is enrolled in a five-year uh, agriculture school in Haiti. Um, and he also won a scholarship to learn how to build compost toilets. So a lot of these Haitian students, those are just a couple examples, have gone on to be further interested and engaged in their own country, but new technologies as well. Um, in addition, the USA volunteers, and many of them are with us today, so I'd like to have them stand and give them a hand because many of them have done such a great job even after the fact. Many of them are uh, going to study abroad, further engaging in different social issues, and so they're continuing to be impacted by the things we did in Haiti. Um, so a lot of us are still engaging in service, and a lot of our ideologies regarding service has been changed. Um, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about some of the aftermath in terms of the lessons that we learned, um, really about thoughtful service. There were a lot of bad things that happened, a lot of good things that happened, but through our reflection, we're able to hone in how we can be more of service to our communities, not just as a novelty, but effectively as well. <clears throat> Sorry. So thoughtful service is indeed a universal responsibility. We often talk about service or hear about service in our church communities, in our social communities, but sometimes we don't really know what service means or why we even do service. One reason we do service is not because just we're told to, but because our inward focus therefore becomes our outward failure. There's times where selfishness can emanate in our environment and therefore emanate into our community, similar to the way pollution does. If we keep selfishness up in this regard, there's times where we can damage our communities. If we are to create successful communities, we must have our intentions, our priorities, and our actions reciprocate the needs and the interests of others and not just ourselves. This is critical in understanding our purpose, which goes into the fact that to feed others or not to feed others, I apologize, is to starve ourselves. We often see service as something to check off the list, an extra task to do for the day, maybe for the week or the month. But if we don't help others, we're actually starving ourselves, and we're not taking care of ourselves. The reason being is we often find at times we feel empty or unfulfilled, but many people who engage in service, especially when it's sustainable and thoughtful service, will feel fulfilled and feel engaged to their community and the people that they're helping. Therefore, service in itself 
is the fulfillment and the ultimate prescription of purpose. Um, our planet right now is our gift and our responsibility. And as we heard from some of the readings um, in Matthew, that this earth is not doing so hot. We all know this, we hear this in the news, but how do we channel our service so that yes, we're serving our community, but we're also serving the earth that we've been given. Our community includes the biosphere, not just humans. We often think of service as interpersonal, but how do we think of it as intertwined into the world that we have today? Um, on Christmas, great example, how many of you have received a gift, you said, oh, thank you so much, and then someone turns away, either you're not actually thankful for it, or you throw it away, or you just lock it in your room or your closet for the rest of the time being. Many of us, I'm sure, have done so. This is seeming to what we be, uh, this is seeming what we're doing with the earth right now. We have this gift, we're thankful, yes, we have our basic needs, especially in America. We have our basic needs, thank you so much, God, or whatever higher power we look to. But how often do we lock it away in the closet? Are we trying the best we can to be aware of the issues that plague our existence currently? Are we trying the hardest we can to solve them and work with each other? So it's something to think about in terms of when receiving a gift and a responsibility, how do you utilize that power to be able to change it and utilize it to its maximum capabilities? The other thing is that our earth right now has issues that are collective. If water is disappearing from the earth or if we're not utilizing correctly, or food is becoming GMO and we're not growing organically or locally. These are collective issues. Whether you think they affect you or not, they will come around to do so. Collective issues therefore call for collective action. If you've ever, in, in college, we work in one major. We understand one form of career, but when you get into the real world, you start to have to work with everyone else. Well, we are in the real world, all of us, whether in college or whether you're in a retirement home. And to be honest, collective issues require collaborating with every single person around you in every single area of expertise to be able to solve the issues that plague our, ourselves. And one of the things that I faced on the Haiti trip was I'm an exercise science major. I have no idea how to filter water. I have no idea how to grow crops better. But I explain it like this. If you have a very sick family member and you love them as much as you do, you're gonna do everything you can to be able to solve or figure out what their disease or condition is about, no matter your background, no matter your education. In the same way, the earth is our family member. It's a collective family member. It's something we've been given and something we all share. And so how often do you go out of your comfort zone to check what issues exist, to see if you can be competent, and even taking it further, how you can solve them? So service is all great and dandy, but why be thoughtful? Why be sustainable with service? Well, one is we should do everything we can, not what we feel. Like I said earlier, sometimes service is this thing where we check it off the list. Well, I pulled weeds in the school garden today, that's, that's it for the week. But did you think about how thoughtful it was? Did you think about the everlasting impact that you've made or how efficient your service actually was? For if we go back to that example I mentioned earlier, we truly care about that family member. We're not just gonna hold their hand to hold their hand and say it was okay. We're gonna do everything we can to make sure it's lasting, to make sure it's effective. So once again, do everything you can, not everything you feel. And sometimes what we feel is what we feel comfortable with, which is why I encourage you all to step outside your comfort zone frequently. So there's a nice little um, way to memorize how to be a thoughtful with your service, and that's RISE. RISE stands for relevance, impact, sustainability, and excellence. With relevance, you want to have service that's reflecting of your passion, of your talent, and of your connectedness, not just to the community, but to the world. 
It's often at times that we find the ability to give service to, unto others or do service unto our earth that we keep it something that we're very comfortable with. Once again, step outside your comfort zone, but also keep it relevant. If you're passionate about something like me, which is physical therapy, I love physical therapy and I want to help people with it, but what's relevant about that? Well, what's relevant is that I like to be a healer. And so studying clean water or studying how to grow good food is healing people. And so I step outside my comfort zone to learn how else I can heal people. In the same way, if you connect people, if you help people, if you hold people's hands during times of hardships, these are all things you can apply to this kind of um, category of relevance. Now for impact, we want to connect between the need and the inner, in, intended change. The intended change is something that stems from a need, so we have a problem. People often get scared of problems, but we need to look at problems rather as an opportunity. Once we see problems as, as an opportunity, we can put our passion into that opportunity and eventually come up with a solution. And the impact is if you made a difference or not. A lot of times people go through service and say, well, of course I made a difference because I'm intending to do service. But often we don't step outside and look at the big picture and say, are we really making that connection between the need and the fulfillment? The third aspect is sustainability. We hear this term a lot, but really sustainability can mean financial viability, a lasting change, or a realistic solution to that community. For example, when we were building that biochar gasifier system so that we could have clean water for that village, we didn't take something and say, all right, we're going to use trees as our wood. Well, we took excess wood that was in existence. We also looked at bagasse, which is excess sugarcane, which is stuff that gets thrown away anyway. So that's an example of sustainability, making sure that your plan and your solution applies specifically to the community. People do this all the time. They'll take projects like a water filtration project or even a food pantry and apply it generally to every community. But every community is different because every person is different, right? We must understand that sustainability is understanding the individualism of every community and therefore the collectivism. In addition, the financial viability, something I'm not very familiar with, but I have to be familiar with now. I don't want to study business. I want to study exercise and how to help people. But as we look into things like fundraising or even just effective giving, we want to make sure that what we're doing is financially viable and sustainable. So if we give a donation to a nonprofit, how often do you know if it really made an impact? Do you know what's being done with your money? Do you know if you can take that money and multiply your impact even further? These are all questions we need to keep asking ourselves when we're giving or we're helping out a situation or a cause. And the last one is excellence. Build your change engine to employ a multiplier effect. Now a change engine is these people up here at the front, the people that helped me do the Tahiti trip. I didn't do it by myself. It was initiated by me, but at the same time, I couldn't do all these things. We had Tyler there, an environmental engineer from Agua Inc. who helped us with the water filtration project. But to build the engine for change is to build the people around you that are just as passionate and just as relevant. Therefore, if you build a successful engine, you can go towards any solution you deem fit and therefore solve any problem. We often look at it as uh, something impossible. Oh, it's impossible to solve world hunger. Well, have you broken it down by community and therefore been able to see, well, impossible really just means a little bit more work. And if I get this person, this person, this person, and study this and this and this, it can happen. And we can then change community by community, and the world is only made up of different communities. We can have a multiplier effect. So sometimes we feel we have to do service effectively by creating our own cause or doing it ourselves. This is not true. There's many people who already have a great lasting impact and have great efforts available. It's just hopping on board and seeing what you can do to help. Taking action. 
The first part of this is something I had to learn the hard way in Haiti, and this is building relationships. It's often at times we go into service with the savior complex. I know I did at first. And you get a slap in the face because you have to say, crap, I have to build relationships. But it's not a bad thing. In fact, it's what we're made to do. From the very beginning with Adam and Eve, it was a relationship. Between them and God, it was a relationship. In all of our lives, we're building relationships, and that's what makes us fulfilled, happy, and successful. Relationships are the fueling component of anything you do in service. So before you're going to help someone, it's essential to be able to know them first. To know someone is already helping someone. Sometimes we don't take the opportunity to get to know an individual, but we expect to help them. And sometimes if you understand that you feel you can only help through service, you'll be surprised to find that you're wrong. Sometimes just getting to know someone and being there for them is service within itself. But building relationships allows you to do another thing, which is identify problems. You can't create a solution unless you have a need or an issue or a problem. This is once again the opportunity. We must recognize that problems aren't something that plague us, but problems are in fact the opportunity to create a solution and be of service unto others. Once again, educate yourself and use your tools wisely. Once again, it's easy to get scared of the things that challenge us today, but there's many people many materials, and many methods and mediums to understand what's going on around us, as well as the tools to solve them. A lot of the times it's just interconnecting them and disintermediating them. And the last one is seek and you shall find. And I can definitely attest to this because I had no idea, what, no idea what I was doing with the Haiti trip. Um, I just kind of said I want to do it more than ever. I have a passion to do it and I'm going to get it done. And I found the team, I found the solution, I found the way of fundraising the money, and it happened because I wanted to do it and I was seeking it. But I still had no idea what I'm doing to this day. Many people attest, I still have no idea with some of the things I do, but I do it because I'm passionate about it. And so you don't have to be reckless, you don't have to be over, overtly ambitious, but what you do have to do is seek. Sometimes we get absorbed within our own lives and we don't even try to seek. But if you're thirsty for something, it will be given to you. If this is knowledge to solve a need, it'll be given eventually if you seek it. If this is a problem, if this is a certain person to help you, if this is the fundraising to do so, it will be given eventually if you seek it. So just some nice little pictures. This is what we thought we were right into Haiti, going to save the day. Um, we found out quickly that we do need to build relationships and we do need to look at communities more intimately because they helped us with this. Uh, we got stuck a few times, and it was interesting to see how we could collaborate with the community. But you never know when the people you seek to help might actually help you. So, like I said, one of the things we did was agriculture. We were establishing some gardens, and the reason we had to understand the community a little bit more and build those relationships is because they need to grow more food in order to be able to f feed their, themselves and also send the, their kids to school. They didn't think some of their soils were good enough so we showed them. Then we tried to establish the garden, and they said, you're doing it wrong, let us take it from here. So sometimes it's just empowerment. Sometimes you can empower people with what they think is waste, like tires. And sometimes you can just let them take care of the rest. A lot of the work done by the Haitians was, you know, a lot of the construction we intended to do, they took over and said, let us take care of it. There are sustainable technologies like this house made out of water bottles and clay. We saw that you know, although there was a lot of waste and devastation, we found a lot of it to be valuable and a lot of hope lied within it. 
Indeed, there's deforestation currently occurring in Haiti to this day, um, and a lot of the sustainable technologies are looking to solve that. But things like empowerment and education often outweigh aid. This is a model of the water filter that we built. Once again, we have the biosand, the gravel, and the biochar involved. Very simple system, one I would know, have no idea how to do if I didn't seek out Algo Inc. And so the future. Um, when I contacted Agua Inc. to say, please help me with water filtration, I have no idea what I'm doing, and I don't want to accidentally kill people, they sent an engineer with us, and upon his return, he talked to them about the learning outcomes of the trip and what really happened when Haitian volunteers and U.S. volunteers collaborate with sustainable technologies. And so um, I will be going to the Gambia in West Africa this summer to work with Agua Inc. Um, they hired me two weeks after the Haiti trip to run an internship program in international sustainable development, and we're currently trying to find a trip to go back to Haiti um, with a different nonprofit partner and expand our technologies into more what Agua Inc. does, um, utilizing plants for wastewater filtration, which is, again, a great sustainable technology. And lastly, you change the world in higher education now, students, and people here who are not in higher education but are still learning and are connected to that, you can still help them and still be a part of this. You change the world in higher education, so you're learning to change the world in the real world that needs to be changed so you can change it. Simply put. So keep trying to change, because that is our education. At times we don't seem competent, but we can seem competent if we seek it. Um, so if you want to hop on the change train, as I call it, you're welcome to email me. Um, you can't see it, but let's see here. There you go. RyanGlad at AguaInc.com if you want to get involved. But I rather encourage you guys to seek out the own problems that are relevant to you. Seek out what's currently most available in your life as an issue and see that as an opportunity. Then build your engine for change. Find the people who are just as passionate. Find the tools that you can use and go outside your comfort zone to bring others inside their comfort zone. <laughs>